I've had one pipe rupture out in the garage on Christmas Eve, of course, last year. How do you handle that? I bet you drove out there. I did. You 100% did. I did. It was one of my three houses at the time, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Drive. Why'd you call me out like that? I just, <laughs> I, we just, it's, it's unfiltered. We got to get, get right it to is, it. It is. It is unfiltered. I did. Mike Simmons with Christmas Eve, property management, first year, getting water in the face in a garage. All right, so we're going to roll right into this. Right? I thought we already had. <clears throat> yep, we have. So um, so you were in the military. Yes. Tell me about that. Man, it's a long story, but I grew, you know, grew up out east of Indianapolis in, in Hancock County, joined, joined the Navy right out of high school. Um, I, would, I was a, what's called undesignated, so I didn't have a job on a submarine, like no, no special training. They just put you on a submarine? Well, yeah. That sounds well, intimidating no, okay. to me. Okay, you know, and, and don't edit this out. I... I failed out of nuclear power school because I was a um, I was a mess in high school horrible GPA just you know all kinds of trouble not not a good example um, but yeah so I failed out of that and then was already submarine volunteered so ended up on a sub and, um, and it was a great crew great team uh, you know loved it had some wonderful leaders in my life and I applied for an officer program and got Got accepted to that. So, um, how far in when you applied was it? Like a year, two years? I, I probably started applying at the two and a half year mark. So left for that with a little over three years. Um, they put me through a college prep school. It was nice in the military to have that kind of a, a transition school for good sailors with, you know, maybe uh, sketchy backgrounds or not so not so good, uh, you know, high school backgrounds. But um, it, it really prepped me. I, then I went out and got a degree in physics. Almost doubled my high school GPA. And while I was in college, and uh, so you went, you went from uh, struggling in high school to uh, physics. Yeah, well, and I think like I said, I always took AP classes because I was kind of bored, and they were more interesting. But I just wouldn't do the homework, man. I, I don't know. I was a mess. I was a mess. Not a good example. But I think uh, the military was invaluable in that. And you know, like I said, those you know, a lot of leaders in my life that kind of um, showed me how to manage myself, how to you know make decisions and whatnot. And then that just continued on. So out of, out of college, I got picked up for the Explosive Ordnance Disposal Community. Um, so went from there to dive school, then out to a ship for two years out in Japan where my son was born, back to EOD school for 10 months, um, learned how to be a bomb tech, a basic bomb tech, which was interesting. I, I, I traveled around a lot, you know, worked with a lot of different companies. Uh, my job was just really to get out there and, and, and keep an eye on emerging tech and, and brief the, the team back in Washington, D.C. on that. After that, I left. I was the XO of uh, Mobile Unit 1, that's a it's a EOD command out on the West Coast. So I was the number two in command there, deployed with them, loved every minute of it, loved taking care of people, um, had some some amazingly talented men and women working for me. And um, then out of that, did a staff job, retired, and came back to Indiana. Yeah, so you're back in Indiana, and the first thing you think of is, I'm going to start a property management company. Right. That's a big, uh, that's a big jump. What, uh, what was going through your mind there? Um, leaving the, my old man owned a small business. He owns an auto shop out in Greenfield. And, uh, as I was looking for kind of a, I called it career 2.0. I, I was retiring from the military, but I didn't let my wife and kids say that, right? His dad gets a new job. Um, I had some, I had built myself up to be in defense. I had that, that, that technical undergrad, the experience I had. I got a degree in project management from George Washington when I was out in D.C., 
and and I love I did love that work, but the thought of um, you know another you know grinding another twenty years of travel, I'd kind of already missed out on a lot. So I wanted I wanted my own business, so I kind of control my schedule, stay closer to home. Um, and as I looked through those, there was a lot of businesses I looked at that either either I was priced out of them or they or they were struggling. And if I could get in there, maybe under owner financing, there was too much risk. Um, so I, I looked at smaller, lower entry points. And out of all of those, property management it first came across my as an option to look at. I thought, no, no way. Is that just the the concept of the you know the toilets and the maintenance and the not at that just more because um, you didn't. I mean, at this point, did you have like investment property or did you have like did you have anything that exposed you to property management at that point yeah well we had been tenants you know for for 15 16 years after I got married out of college and uh and so that was exposure we'd owned a property that kind of through the family we ended up owning and it was it was south of Albuquerque so tough to manage tough to find a PM company out there Um, we ended up self-managing and it didn't go well went well enough so you you were uh you were a tenant for 15 years. Did yeah, you have like yeah. any like land, like was there any like landlord experiences there where like, you're like, you know, working with the property manager or the owner and it did like leave an, any sort of impression on you? Like this mo- said, like when you're in that moment thinking, what am I going to do with my life now? You're like, I want to do property management. Just a big jump. It was just the perception in general. So when I got presented, hey, you thinking, what do you think about this property management opportunity? There's this company out there, Key Renter. And I was like, no, no thanks. We passed. We were looking at other things and and as I talking with my wife about it, we you know we thought about um, just the service we didn't get as owners and as tenants, and thought, man, we can we, right. can, we can crush it at this. We can crush it. Like it's you know communication was was not there. Well, I think a lot of people have that same experience that yeah. you're that you're describing. I think that you just decided, hey, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go the property management direction and solve it. That's probably the the outlier. So you you. When the direction of key runner, mm-hmm. what made you decide like the franchise route versus just starting your own thing? Is yeah. it like you know like that military background where it's part of a team? And there's resources. Like what what was that? Much? I recognize that it, there's no one person gets the job done, right? You, you you might you know you see you know in a movie or in some people's mind like you know a situation comes up and one guy handles it because he's a hero and he can tackle anything. But any any challenge and problems, there's there's a there's a ton of planning and rehearsal and training that goes into it every time, and, and it comes from a, a team to make things happen and make them happen well. And so I recognize that if I went out there alone and tried to do this, you know, the likelihood of me sticking with it and succeeding was low. And so so that was invaluable is, is knowing I had not only not only the headquarters team, which is excellent for for onboarding and kind of helping you get set up and you know referring you to some training. Um, some resources, but then even as I've been through, uh, you know, I'm coming up on two years in the business. I kind of had a slow start, so 18 months since I took my first door. So let's let's dig into just the growth of your. You know, you started at zero doors, like a lot of people. You had the franchise support, but I mean, going from the, you know, in my experience, going from zero to 10 doors, that's tough. That's probably tougher than you know the 10 to 50, and then it just. The bigger you get, the easier it is to grow because you have like you know resources around you and it scales a lot better. Um, but going from zero to ten, I mean, you're building a lot of new habits. You're you know running a business. You're thinking about you know things like payroll and insurance. And so, talk me through just like what what that was like going from you know zero to ten doors, like get, getting the the business off the ground. The documentation to get started up did seem like it took a long time, right? This checklist, getting get my realtor license, like that was. 
But even once that was settled, um, those like the like I said, the phone wasn't ringing, so it's just kind of terrifying. It's like, hey, I'm I'm the I'm the breadwinner here. I got to do something, and this business is not going anywhere. Um, and even then, you you know, but but one thing what I came to realize was you really just got to be ready to take like the next two steps because if you're thinking through the whole problem, it's just way too much to handle. So it's like, hey, what's that sales call going to look like? You know, let me run through how I'm going to manage this place for a year. Write down questions. How do I handle A, B, and C? Do I have a, how do I handle emergency maintenance? How do they get a hold of me? Right? You're just so thinking like, through like that documenting your, your processes, exactly but right. like also focusing on what matters. Right? That's right. You know, if you sit sit there and document your processes all day, you know, you talked about it, you didn't do it. And a yeah. lot of, especially when you're starting out, a lot of it's taking that action. But you know, when I think about property management, I I kind of break it down into you know growth. You've got operations, and then maybe a third bucket that's like admin, other HR, you know, everything else. Um, how did you balance going back and forth between needing to grow and adding doors so you have revenue in the door, but also like making sure your foundational processes were sound? Not well. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> it didn't feel like that, right? Because like, you, you, you probably weren't thinking about it now. No, the time. It was, it's like fight or flight. You're like, yeah, it was more the. Um, you know, I'd feel overwhelmed, like, hey, I mean, I got these work orders coming in. I don't know how, did that get paid, all these loose ends? And then as soon as you feel like, okay, you tie them up, you know, more doors are coming in. So it's been, it's, it's ebbed and flowed. Um, almost, it's, I, 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 it seems like I got a, exactly what I can handle at the time because you're growing along with it. Yeah. So um, spe speaking of growth, let's talk about how, how are you growing the business right now? How many doors are you at? You know, you started a couple years ago. or We're coming up on 70 real quick. Yeah. Yeah, and you, and you manage a nicer asset in Indianapolis, like relative, right. relative to a lot of other property managers, you know, you're probably what average 1800 rent, something like that. It's like 22, 22. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's coming down. There's a few, I took on a few high dollar properties in the beginning. So as that number goes up, I'm, I think my average will be right around two over time. Yeah. So where, where are you, uh, your next doors, like where are those coming from? Um, they're like, coming from our website. From your website. Yeah. So like organic online traffic. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, that's it. A few realtor referrals, but mostly right now I was paying. Um, I would I was using Thumbtack for a while. I just ended that. What'd that cost? I, I haven't really used Thumbtack a lot. I've heard people mention it. A I, bit. The first time I saw you was on Thumbtack I, when I was when I was young and using it. And Live Indie popped up as a competitor. I'm like, who are these guys? And I remember seeing. Yeah, your, we we like made an account. See, but, yeah, uh, I, it, nothing really happened. Wait, so I was just like, what is this? And so and then I, people like that are using it successfully. I'm like the hell's going on with well this but seeing that picture and then you know a few months later i got an email from you about pma and the website and the marketing i'm like i know that guy i want to meet him that was kind of one of the reasons I those were the really so the really gritty days i was just yeah it was cold emails man what a <laughs> it's a lot of no's a but, lot of no's but thumbtack I, I did the math not too long ago for another uh key renter franchise who was asking about how it worked out i think my cost per door was between two and three hundred i want to say like 250 something one of those clients one of those owners came in at um with eight doors and that was early on i think i had about eight doors when he signed with me um which you know was a was a blessing i was very fortunate to have him um the uh but yeah without him that price would have been significant like 450 or something so you're getting most of it online um you're still using thumbtack some of those other and, and then referrals right so you're networking with with agents is that yeah like are you doing it are you doing any like pay like pay-to-play type lead, you know, like APM or like any of that? Um, Google ads, like no, know, anything else? No, no. I have, uh, there's 
third-party website out there that I, I pay to be a featured person. So if you took Property Management Indianapolis, you know we're on their page, and they're usually on the front page of Google. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's it though, and it's very low cost. But and right now it's like like I said, I took on three, maybe four doors in October. Uh, between yeah, in the last four weeks, I'd say, and that's all organic from the website. So, and I think our strategy on that, you know, when when Britt and I talked, we made sure we were covering. There's some nice suburbs up there that I want to manage that I don't think um, a lot of people are targeting. So when we add, you know, Whitestown's a lovely town there. On the, like Fortville. Northwest. Like some, some Fortville and McCordsville. A lot of people don't even know they're on the map. You know, I'm from Han Hancock County, so um, I'm very familiar with that area and with Mount Vernon, which is a wonderful school out there. So I think that, that I'm, and I just, one of those doors, one of those PMAs that's out for signature right now is a McCordsville home. Um, so yeah, those are great places to pick up properties, and I think, you know, with being a young startup and not getting to the front page of Google, making sure that you're targeting those areas where other people might not. You, I can't compete in Indianapolis for the front page, but yeah, it sounds like you're going. You've got a lot more discipline at this point, which might tie back to your, uh, you know, your military background, where it's like you you're not just taking on any door. Yeah, I think a lot of property managers do that. I did that with with <coughs> you know growing Live India. It was like. Anybody that wanted to sign, I mean, we, we tried to say we were looking for a certain type of asset, but reality was at the beginning, I was just signing everybody that, you know, wanted to uh, work with us. Um, but you're signing just, you know, the nicer, more, you know, AB, like suburban assets, a lot of probably like one-off owners. I think maybe move to Chicago and they yeah. keep the property, that kind of thing. That's the majority of my, my portfolio that I manage from people is owners with one, maybe two homes, mostly one home. And they, they had to move for whatever reason. Um, to your point about the you know the discipline and, and the I think the standards um, that that comes from the team that, that's part of the franchise team. Like I talk to a lot of people, and I think Dana down in um, Chattanooga, Kieran Chattanooga. She one of her stories was she took on like twenty six units when when she first started out, and and she was you know really proud of hey I'm going to show up on that monthly report that I'm growing fast and I got this and then you know, it became all consuming and she dumped them within the first year, right? So learning from their mistakes and then asking, hey, what was the problem there? And it might've been the way the owner wanted the properties managed, didn't didn't match our or her, uh, you know, standards, right? Those are good things. So you really, are you're also screening owners as much as you are screening, you know, the tenants in the home. Um, you gotta be make sure that they have the same, uh, you know, standards and desires that you do as far as taking care of the property, same vision for the property. They're realistic about it. There's a lot of bumps and bruises that come along the way over the, people like to talk about the, hey, 20 years and I've grown this portfolio and it puts out cash. They don't talk about those those nights they stayed awake because they had an eviction or a freaking, you know, pipe rupture and, and yeah, you're So you got to prep your owners for that. Yeah, and you're laying a strong foundation and people don't think about that on the growth side as much, right? They think about, um, you know, their operations. Yeah. They're thinking about like their yeah. processes and their systems and their team structure. Um, so... On the operations side, I think a, a controversial topic is like leasing, right? So you think about leasing, there's really three buckets you can fall into. You can fall into the, you know, you do it yourself. You've got a leasing manager, even a coordinator. It's like everything's in-house. I think that's the more traditional old school way to do it. Uh, you also have the, you know, the hybrid like self-showing model where mm -hmm. you're doing it in-house, but you're using tech, you know, to facilitate like self-showing. It became really popular around like COVID, which is about the time you started. You started, um, and then there's companies like I think you know, company like Sunroom Leasing that you know completely allows you to outsource your leasing. 
So what bucket do you fall into there? The only leasing support we have in that regard is um, we used we use we show Mojo right now, which is just more when they when a when an applicant inquires or a guest inquires about a property, it kind of automated messages to them helps with the scheduling. So no, but we're doing in-person showings either to myself or a couple realtors that I know that I can pay to cover for me if I can't make it. Um, I've thought about the you know remote lock boxes. We we haven't implemented them yet. There might be a time when we do, but I'm still. It's just my personal comfort level. Yeah, what's talk talk to me about that? Because I feel like it's, uh, you know, you've you've kind of more methodically grown your business, um, which I respect. But I mean, on the like leasing side, it's it is a lot easier when it's either a you know like somebody's doing it for you. You know, you're you're giving up control, but it's being completely passively done for you. Or the self showings, which is like you know, a, kind of a different beast. And, and you're on the, like, more traditional side. Is it is it a comfort level thing for That's you? exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I've had, I've been involved in a lot of conversations about about the risks that come. Well, you know, there's all the doomsday. Well, somebody could steal this, do that. And then, the, um, you know, that's what you have insurance for. And you put, you know, processes in place to screen somebody before they go in a home. But Yeah, do exactly. you think you'll ever, like, as you get bigger, you know, because I know you've got aspirations to have, you know, hundreds, yeah. of, hundreds of doors. You know, that's probably, like, a full-time person at that point right so then you got your own like leasing department yeah like i guess we haven't really even talked about your team structure but um yeah what's that look like is the the key runner the the key runner team i feel like the headquarters like having a board of directors right so i got a lot of people i can lead on that are watching out for me um so there's a there's a team there right and i have my local managing broker bob morris um is a great mentor and friend that i can call to if i have trouble um i hired apm help APM Help is a company. Like the accounting, the yeah. bookkeeping. So yeah, I've like, heard of this guy. Because I just didn't, I looked at the, one, I, I couldn't afford it at the time, right? But I knew I needed to I'm, uh, look at things in like risks. How do I reduce the risk? The one, I screw up this trust accounting stuff and, mm. and eat, eat crow if I've, you know, used money improperly or overpaid or underpaid, all the things that could happen, um, you know, to lose credibility with an owner. Also, as I grow, how do I how do I mitigate against fraud? You've heard about, I've heard about right. companies where, you know, the accountant and the maintenance coordinator were, you know, it just I, I had to protect myself and protect my clients and protect the money. So they they handle the trust accounting side. It's really easy. Invoice comes in. I just email it over. Um, we we use Asana as a project management tool to kind of communicate with them, and then they work out a back folio on my behalf and, and make sure everything's done all the way up from like I said you know, mailing an invoice or me telling them to do something all the way to doing the monthly payments. So, and da daily, is it daily? They kind of triple tie out the accounts to make sure. It sounds like you lean on like software, third-party partners, the key runner network. Um, do you have any like VAs on I your do. team? I do. Yeah, that was what I was about to mention. Uh, two VAs, one's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm she's kind of hired with, with the title I had at the time was assistant property manager, but she's really the operations manager. Because she's doing doing everything, and then we just hired a maintenance coordinator, um, who's just focused on you know keeping track of where maintenance repairs are in space and time. Is that person like U.S. Is the maintenance coordinator U.S. based no, or both of them are in Mexico? Yep. Yeah. So on your maintenance, so like let's say a maintenance request comes through, what happens? That's the. I mean, you've got because yeah. when you think about property management, right? We've talked about leasing, we've talked about like the sales growth side of the business, you know. Maintenance and leasing is probably sixty to eighty percent of what you're doing. It right? really is. I mean, at the end, especially at seventy doors, when you don't have, you know, a lot of re team resources, it's like all you're doing. Yeah. So, 
you know, I know you want to get bigger, right? So it's that balance of like delegating, you know, reading between the lines, you, you know, you're doing the self or, you, you know, you're doing the, the leasing in-house because probably the standard like quality level, like you, you want it to kind of live up to your, mm-hmm. you, you know, your standard experience. But on the maintenance side, like, do you go out and like fix things yourself? No, no, I got yelled at for that by my coaches. <laughs> yeah, because I can, right? I mean, but and, you were but the, maybe you, you were there for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. If you think well, and I'd be it'd be easier than you know calling somebody if I was there, and I and I probably had time to do it, and that's all right. But I think what I, you know, it's just you, you can't you can't duplicate yourself for that. It's not scalable. So real quick, that was that was off the table. Um, so the but the VA now is like your maintenance VA. What's his name? Uh, her name's Karen. Karen. So yeah. Karen's a maintenance request comes through. Yeah. You know. She's in another country, probably. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. You know, it comes through, and she's delegating it to your vendors yeah. that are like in your Appfolio system. I assume that's right. And a few key things there: we use Property Meld as a software. What have been your thoughts on Property Meld so far? The things I really like about it are when a tenant puts in a meld, they can select times that work for them, and then when I assign it to a vendor, that vendor can pick a time that matches his schedule, which is perfect for the VA structure, it's amazing. right? Right. It, the VA like puts it in the system and then yeah, the and tenant then, and the vendor can kind of like facilitate a little bit. Yeah, that's the one. Th- so that's the, the huge plus. The other one is if a time doesn't work out or anything else is going on, vendors and tenants can text each other through the software and we have that visibility. And we can chime in and talk to the tenant alone. We can talk to the vendor alone. We can pull everybody onto one thread. And that's, I mean, and so you're not calling saying, hey, did you get that done? How's this going, right? You, you see the... You see the communication progress. You see the completed meld. Some pictures show up. The invoice shows up. It's just, you know, beginning to end. It's all there. Um, you know, and I work with with Scott, and I believe you, you know him well as, as well. Um, you know, he has a, he has a large team, so he's able to be kind of a one stop shop for for ninety percent of our work orders that come in. Yeah, that's great. Um, I mean, that positions you well it's, to, it's, to scale up. It you does. Know? Yeah, but building a relationship with him and finding him was, um, or I guess they found me is. As uh, his assistant Stephanie was reaching out, the um, was has been invaluable. And are you still? Do you mark up maintenance? Is that a revenue um, driver? We do a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Just. I mean, I got I got a maintenance coordinator. I got the software, so there is a is a markup, small markup. Yeah. Yeah. And then so for the VA, what's that cost right now? Um, I assume that'll you know you might need somebody else in the future, but like what's that cost now? I'll pay her eleven fifty a month, and then I've I've tied my um, her pay is also scaled with uh, door growth as well. Um, so there's an incentive for for taking on doors to kind of, you know, to help them out. Yeah. Or to pay more. So they're excited about growth as well, right? You want everybody on board with the, with your goals. How does the VA know who to assign it to? We're like, learning that. So that's a learning. Honestly, Scott is is most things, um, you know, other than HVAC, and she knows who we can do with that. And then if anything falls out of that, she could just simply, you know, shoot me a text, and we I answer, and we get it assigned. Pest control is the other thing that they're not doing, so. Yeah, I think AI is a, an area where you could leverage um, kind of assisting the VA, combining, you know, taking AI and its ability, kind of powering the VA to help, like, make some of that happen for you could be a way to, you know, make that process a little smoother as you scale up. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Like, I think AI is a big buzzword in property management right now. Like, what are your uh, what are your general thoughts on, like, how it plays into a property management business? It's helped a lot with uh, I used to be like, man, I don't feel like writing a property description, right? But it helps. I think the way the way our our tool that comes with your guys' website, um, 
that uh, we, you know, we put in the address, not only does it write up a description, but then it has our standard verbiage at the bottom every time because um, it's learned to do that. So that, that, that helps a lot. Like I mentioned earlier, we've, uh, I've kind of explored what it can do for writing Facebook posts, right? Like, hey, give me a post about winterizing your home. Write me a post about um, investing in property management or properties in Han Hamilton County. And it just spits those out. So I think, you know, and take it or leave it. You can, you can cut 70% of that in and put it into a post or, um, you know, or, or all of it straightforward. But I'm, I'm really impressed with the speed it works and how accurate. I think the other side of the coin is people like things like Terminator. It's like what everybody jumps to. I've heard that like so many times, like Terminator. Like what, like, how, does that ever come to your mind when you like think about AI? Like what, what's your, you know, I, I've talked to people that are like, I don't want to even touch it. You know, I don't even want to like think about it. But like the way I think about it is like it's potentially more powerful in terms of technology, like more powerful than like the internet coming out. So yeah. that'd be like somebody in like 2000, 1999 saying like, I, you know, doomsday is coming. I'm like not going to use the internet. Internet's bad, right. right? Yeah, no, I have I have no fear for what we're doing. You know, it's it, kind of on the other extreme, right? It's just like trying to make you, you know, a property manager's life easier. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if it can, if it can, I think. What I'm, what I've learned in property man, or in in this business and in property management in general is like there's a, there are a lot of ten and twenty minute tasks. That's what's getting you every day. There's no, you know, everything's broken down into that, and that's probably true of anything. But, but there's, um, that's what it. So if I can take the twenty minute tasks and make them five minute tasks, and the ten minute tasks, and make them two minute tasks, and automate the two minute tasks, the more you can do, take your processes and because there's about a dozen, dozen and a half things that you're doing. You're, you're onboarding a property. You're, you're moving a tenant out. You're onboarding. If you, can, if you can automate or streamline your routine things, then when those, those outliers come along, right, you're able, you have the capacity to respond to them, and you're not always behind, right? You can get ahead. Yeah, and I, th I think that just goes to, like, just your operations, right? It's the mm -hmm. same reason you hire the VA to facilitate the maintenance with your vendor network. Right now, your yeah. vendor network's smaller because it can be, but you do that because it's more efficient so you can scale the business. And I think, yeah. like, AI, AI is going to supplement any property manager to be able to do their job better, to be able to, like, equip their team to do their job better right. at a lower cost. Right. It's like the efficiency is, I think, where that really comes through. And, you know, my take on it is really centered around, you know, thinking about, like, marketing agencies. Like, that's everyone's used marketing agencies for you know, websites, especially like blog content, SEO, right? But SEO is really expensive. Getting on the first page of Google mm -hmm. costs a lot of money. Um, you know, with the effects of AI right now, you know, there's companies out there that are leveraging it um, and making, getting on the first page of Google a lot more accessible for a lot lower cost. Um, and so I think like big picture, um, the companies that are like using AI are going to be the ones that succeed long term. And it's not just because of AI. It's more that mindset of like continual growth, like being more efficient, optimizing the business model. Yeah. It's just an easy way to do that. Yeah. So well, I'll, I'll be off. I'm off my, uh, my AI like uh, soapbox. And I'll, I'll have, I have two follow. So back to my, my I kind of I seem like I, I went onto the sidewalk there about the operations. But all of that's just a repeatable process. Like whether the AI can do it for you or tee up everything, so you're like, yeah, that's right, click. You know, hey, get Bob Smith. I just, you know, have a phone call. The owner agrees they want a PMA. Start the on owner onboarding process for Bob Smith, and it knows in my in Lead Simple. There's my CRM. There's Bob. There's his address. Like it could tee up all that, and then the next phase, and then the next phase, and then build it in that folio and write things. Like there's, 
there's a potential to where, you know, I, I mean, I, I would definitely be have somebody see, making sure things go right. But when it like yeah, keeps you from it, having that like that that burnout, yeah, right? Because you you know you think about property management, it's so negative. Like every mm-hmm. every communication you get for the most part, it's, uh, tenants upset. There's water coming from the ceiling, you know, into the kitchen. There's upset owners because they don't understand their, you know, profit and loss statement for that month or you know whatever it might be. And so even like you know I don't know if you're guilty of this, but I am. You've got your your email inbox sitting there. I keep all my emails unread mm-hmm. if I haven't mm-hmm. like addressed it yet. And sometimes there's that like tough email I have to send that I just keep putting off. Yeah. I know I, you've told me this before. You yeah, kind of yeah. do this too. It's like, you know, take the emotion out of it because I think that's what we're like anxious about is that typing up that negative email, you know, it's going to probably result in another task you got to do after a follow-up, a call, whatever. Yeah. So just let the, uh, you know, let the AI write the email for you. Give it a quick check, hit send, move on. Yeah. I think that's Seneca. So we suffer more in imagination than in reality, right? Like, like you're having this argument in your head or this this conflict in your head that's going to come from that email or from that conversation. And, man, 99 out of 100 times, my owners are like, man, thanks for handling that for me, Mike. I'm real happy. Like that's that's going to transition a little bit. Like what's your uh, big picture, like, goal for yourself? Like why are you running a property management business? Like is it something for you that you're going to do forever, pass on to your kids? Is it, you know, do you have an exit plan? Like wh- what are you working towards? I don't, I don't have – not pass on to the kids. They can – I want them to – you know, whatever you want they them want to have to a do. better life than property management. <laughs> no, I think I think being a small business owner is uh, is a great life, whatever that may be, right? <laughs> um, and if they choose it, that's fine. But I don't, I don't, I don't try to you know shape their future. Where do you want to go? Like, what's your what's your end goal, right? It's like yeah, because I mean, you think about the industry right now. There's a lot of roll up happening, a lot of consolidation. Yeah, the bit you know the big dogs are coming in and buying up you know the local property manager that's been around for a while some people are building property management companies just to sell them right um, well I, I think there's nothing wrong with that it's right. a great business to be able to to, if to the market wealth for yeah, it, yeah if the market's working but for you like are you working towards an exit plan not, the exit plan is not on my horizon at all um I think what is on my horizon because well, you're the you know the next two steps like, what are the next two steps yeah for yeah, the business yeah. yeah 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 when I was leaving the military and thinking about what I wanted to do I you know, and, and doing a lot of reflection with some organizations that help you prepare for that, the Honor Foundation and some other coaches I'd work with. Um, you know, as we drilled down to what what really motivates you, you know, I've done a lot of cool guy stuff, like, you know, Bo's jumping out of helicopters, led some amazing people, on, you know, watched them do some amazing things. It was, but I realized it was taking care of people was kind of what was the most fulfilling, um, you know, fulfilling times as I looked back on what I felt were the success stories. It was taking care of people. And and in property management, you're you're doing that on a smaller scale with the, with owners and with tenants. But I'm really looking forward to having a team that I can take care of, right? Create a good a good culture in the workplace, and then also offer just a high quality product. Um, that that's the end goal right now. That's that's the next step is to build that team. Um, I think I also have you know some philanthropic philanthropic motivation in Hancock County. That's yeah. my so I, <laughs> Um, the, uh, yeah, so I'd like to have, you know, build the business to like an, where I'm, I see the model is what I call executive ownership, where it's not my day to day. I'm very much involved, right? Um, but where I could work on some other things I want to do with my life, let alone, you know, kind of spend time with the kids and do things that everybody should be doing. But um, yeah, I mean, property management, it's a, it's a business that scales. That's right. And to have the control and freedom, 
and you almost have to be at at least 100 doors. I feel like oh, the, yeah. the stages are like 100 doors gets you like a scaled up business model, mm-hmm. right? You can have kind of every aspect of the business covered. You can afford different softwares or third-party services that, you know, are, are top, top notch. Um, but really you have to decide like, are you going to be pushing towards like that next, uh, you know, scaled up level, which would probably be 300 doors, 400 doors, you know, depending on your market. We're in the same market, so I generally know it's yeah. like 250, 300 doors. How are you going to go from the 70, you know, because really when I think about you two, you're 70 doors, mm-hmm. but it's almost like 120 doors because of your your average rent in the market. So, like, how are you going to push to that, like, next level? Um, I, right now, I got my on the horizon of about, I feel like, between 120 doors or so when, you know, hire somebody to be kind of a jack-of-all-trades, like field tech, preferably with a, with a license, but somebody who could you know, be my eyes and ears out there so I could really then focus on on growth, uh, you know, dive more into business development and bringing on new owners and, and streamlining the processes and then kind of build it from there based on needs. I think if I said I'm going to hire A, B, C, D, um, I'm setting myself up for, for failure. I have an org chart that I think needs to be flushed out at, a, at 300 doors, but really it's it's going to be based on the, the people I find and the, the talent I find and where that person fits in and where the greatest need is next. Yeah, and that decision yeah. is like local versus like outsourced. Right. And it sounds like you're you're leaning towards the local kind of like right-hand person. Yeah, I think that's going to be the, the, the most challenging or, or the one you want to get right, I should say. What do you think your biggest weakness in your business right, right now is? Um, I feel like people don't talk about, you know, yeah, that's a good podcasts uh, yeah. are not like talking about. Talk about. Yeah, like right? what, what are you struggling with? It's just staying, it's the organization aspect of it. We've switched, I'd say we're still... Um, in the nascent stages of getting our processes down. Did you just say nascent? Nascent? Yeah. It's, it's, Couldn't do philanthropic, but you can say, well, that's a yeah, big word. I don't know. Too many syllables in philanthropic. I'm sorry, I cut you off though. I was just like <laughs> impressed. Thanks. I, I have read a couple books since high school. So. Sorry, I cut you off. Biggest, Biggest weakness. weakness. No, yeah. good question. And we should talk about that. It's staying organized. Like there is, you know, like you said, there's stuff coming at you every day. And, um, you know, back to your, Back to your comments about um, you know every people, things in property management being kind of negative, negative toned, right? And I feel like kind of negative, kind of negative. That's yeah, true. They're only they're not calling negative. you. They're not calling <laughs> you to check in and see if you watched the game last night, right? The um, but that's because we're. I think when you're on the defensive, that's how it feels, right? When you're on the defensive, everything that comes at you is an attack, right? And, and back to our processes, back to where AI can help. If you're on the offensive, if you're over communicating at the right time with the right information, now you've you've brought all that down to a simmer. Right. So, so again, that's like kind of more often, offensive property management, probably the wrong word, but, but just being proactive. Yeah, it seems like some comps. legal hurdles there. Cause poor, that. poor, con- <laughs> yeah, the, um, poor, I think poor communications are, you know, uh, Mark Dolfini was, is a, I'm in a mastermind with him. He's a, he's a coach, um, up in Lafayette and he meant, he, we were talking about kind of your core values, what you want. And I said, well, quality care communication, those are the kind of the words I want to, I want to embody, and he's like, "Tell me how you're going to communicate. You're going to just grit your teeth and communicate more. You're going to, I don't communicate." No, he and it, well, he said something that, that rings with me all the time is poor communication is a symptom of of bad processes or lack of lack of proper infrastructure. Right, right. And so I think that we I was using Asana for a while, then then Lead Simple tried to had some processes we were trying to work out, and now we're now what we're standing up, and I feel is going to be the one that sticks is. Um, Appfolio has workflows in there. And one mistake I made was I was looking for some, some software to make it happen when 
first thing I should have done is just grabbed a spreadsheet and wrote down the processes and print them out and used them as such and then automated them at a later date. Yeah, because I mean, I think there's a way to, you can over-organize. Oh, man. You can like, yeah, I mean, you can completely over-organize. Yeah. I think a lot of people do it, to be honest. And then, you know, I'm hearing you say things like Asana, Lead Simple, Appfolio Workflows. Mm -hmm. You've got the coaching. Like, I feel like, you know, that's a lot to, like, it's more about, like, the action and the implementation yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think you're combined with your, like, one step, you know, one, the next two steps, right? I think that's a cool way to think about processes. It's more about, like, the book, uh, a lot of people have read, like, The One Thing. It talks about, um, you know, thinking about those those things that are going to, you wake up and you say, all right, what's the one thing I can do today that's going to, like, move me towards my goal? I think you can apply that to processes, too. Like, yeah. what's the one process that's really giving you trouble? Just solve it. You yeah, do it that's in. true. And, and it's like you're in your head a lot, too. You think yeah. it's going to take, like, a week to solve it. Sometimes it takes, like, 10 minutes. You can always iterate on it. Well, like, let's right? use an example. Like, you're uh, proactive communication with owners. Right, if like you're getting always bogged down with negative emails, mm -hmm. hey, we've got problems, and that's like something that just keeps coming at you. Like the solution might be just a, a monthly, a monthly email update, or or bi bi monthly, you know, wh whatever it might be. I mean, you can create that and like probably automate it in like an hour. Yeah, especially if you have like vendors, people you work with that can help do some of the tech and marketing side of that. And like, boom, you're done. You just fixed it. Move on to the next one. So, you know. Well, right now we're, we're inserting communication touch points in the, um, you know, especially the first time we're leasing somebody's property or putting somebody's property on the market. Hey, it's on the market. Here's the link. Check it out. Give us any feedback, right? Those types of things. Because those questions are coming. Is it on the market yet? You know, how I did, you know, we do send out a weekly, this is, you know, the, the, the interest in the property, the showings, things like that. But, yeah. but just fill in those gaps to, to get ahead of those questions so they feel like you're, in the, what is this? In the in the absence of information, sometimes people can assume the worst. That's right? good. And and if and that's a that's I mean personally, you need to um you know I think you know a good way to live is in in, in you know when in doubt, don't assume the worst, right? Assume the best. Yeah. That's that's a good it's a good thing. I mean, obviously we got to protect ourselves. Yeah. And I'm I'm telling you, I'm don't assume the best. Well, I love being a property manager, but I, I can confirm owners almost always yeah. assume the worst. I I did. Right, and so I yep. can't blame them. So getting out of those little pieces of information so they know you're on it. I mean, think. let's think about a real problem right now. So like leasing. Leasing's a real problem right now because if you look at the market and the landscape, yeah. um, I saw a report recently. Um, I'll try to cite it and so I'm not just making numbers up, but I think it was something like rents are down like 28% or something like I that. I believe it. And some of that's seasonal. But I feel like there's something brewing brewing right now, like as far as rental rates, because they surged through COVID. You know, they went up 20, 30, 40%. Um, and that's coming down right now. So I feel like days on market are way up. And so how do you have those conversations with owners? Important, right? It's like if 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 rent's down 30%, I bet some markets it's more, some markets it's less. Like you've got to, you, you've got to like, adapt your business to that proactively and then yeah. the communication that you can't just like change your process and not communicate to owners well yeah and then our, our our duty is to represent our owners so vacancy is just is punishing you know a twenty one hundred dollar a month property you're losing you know 70 bucks a day by being not not being not having the revenue coming in from a tenant so yeah and i and i've tried to like break down the the way uh 
the way an owner, a client values a property manager, like what's that like mix, like their mentality? And I've like broken it down to you've got like one half is ROI, right? So ROI is going to be like driving cash flow, mitigating vacancy. But then surprisingly, when I like I really dug into it, the other half, which like the way I think I'd be more so the ROI to me is like 80, 90%. And then the soft stuff's the rest. But the other half is like the peace of mind. And so when you think about peace of mind, you've got an asset, a property that somebody's managing. You want to have peace of mind, low anxiety, that they're just generally taking care of things. Mm -hmm. And if they're generally taking care of things, it probably requires good communication, proactive communication. Like that's what really drives that, that, that peace of mind. Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, when you mentioned like quarterly, monthly newsletters, then are you communicating at the right time when something's happening? So they're not getting, they're not looking at the monthly statement and being like, oh, they spent $210. What was that for? Yeah. No, I don't, yeah. That's not oh, the it's like a virus. Not the right? business I want to be in. Yeah. It's right. like a, like when, when you don't communicate one thing, they assume you're not communicating. That's you're right. like hiding of it. It's a challenge. Yeah. So how do you deal with the, uh, how do you deal with the owners that expect, uh, we're talking about proactive communica- communication, but we've got like holidays coming up. Like, how do you deal with that? What, do you, what like holiday messaging? Stuff? Well, yeah, just no, just like communication. Like, well, you know, it's. I think, uh, what was it, last year, the year before, we had, like, freezing temperatures in Indianapolis. Yeah. We just sent out our winterization letter to the tenants, like, hey, reminding them of the disconnecting hoses, shutting things off. Um, um, last year, I sent a copy of that to the owners. Hey, this is what your tenants received. And then, you know, we, we go around and personally uh, to take care of any vacant properties we have. So then you do the put the work in up front, and then you can just kind of ignore the... Yeah, I try to. Let the system handle it from there. I've had one pipe rupture out in the garage on Christmas Eve, of course. Yeah. How do you handle that? I bet you drove out there. I did. You 100% did. I did. It was one of my three houses at the time, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Why'd you call me out like that? I sat, <laughs> we, it's, it's unfultered. We got to get, we gotta get did, right it to is, it. It is know? unfultered. I did. Mike Simmons with Christmas Eve, property management, first year, getting water in the face in a garage. Oh. I freaking, uh, there was a... I thought to walk through the story. So I get the call. I'm trying to talk them through. One, I'm like, well, I didn't document where the water shutoff valve was. Water main shutoff, right? Old house, first one of the three I took on. She can't find it. I get there. This is south side of town, too, 45 minutes later. I get there. Um, I find a couple valves that I think these have got to be the water shutoff valves. They're, like, in, on the floor behind the washer. And uh, this is an old house that's been added on to a couple times. Both of them were frozen. And I was like, man, the last thing I want to do is move this flooding event from the garage to the laundry room. Yeah. Right? So I can't get them to close. Um, my assumption being that they're froze open. So the water company comes and then shuts it off at the main. Um, backing up a little bit, like when I'm up in the garage trying to do something, like it's, it's up there, it's getting on the on the ceiling, then just spreading everywhere. So that... that um, Drywall is already sunk, so I punched a hole in the drywall and got like a shop back. You punched a hole in I the did, drywall? I did. Got a shop back hose up through there to direct. Because it was a copper line that was just exposed running across the garage to a hose bib. And then, um, you know, put a put a uh, shop back hose to direct it straight down onto the floor to stop, uh, stop it from pouring into the insulation and whatnot. You could call that your property management baptism. It really was. I think everyone's experienced it's, that at least yeah. the, that one time. Yeah. Mine was... Uh, when I was like just getting started, similar situation, but I honestly didn't even really get the whole shutoff valve concept. Mm. I think I like kind of loosely knew, but you know, you 
literally turn off the water and the water can't come out anymore. So the tenant calls at like 1 a.m. And naturally I was the emergency maintenance yeah. number, my cell phone that, you know, terrible, mm -hmm. terrible process there. Um, but I think her call, she said like water is flowing from the bathroom upstairs into the kitchen and running like a river into the basement. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, I didn't, I know I'm like sleepy. I don't even really have good advice to give. Yeah. But I get in the car. I was like, it was in like in Fountain Square. So I was, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes away. But I get there and I'm like groggy. And I just like seeing this water flood in. And uh, yeah, I think we pulled up a YouTube video really quick. Mm -hmm. And it was like, the shutoff valve was right there. Learn how to shut off. A shut it. Yeah, shut it off. Valve. And I think that that next week was when we built our process around like some sort of communication to tenants about like, Shut like, but then that never happened again like that. So it, yeah. it, it you know, it mainly just made me feel better because I went through the trauma of the. Because then there's the owner, right? So we took video and whatnot for their insurance. So now I have like some plastic tags and a sharpie, and you put water on off and wrap that around. See, that's the valve. Just, that's just and then simple. I love that. And then do it on the hose bib. Usually, if there's an external hose bib valve that I could, you know, that's visible, there usually is some of these. Hose bibs are designed to not freeze. Um, I think the process. Label that as well. Well, you do that, and then you uh, when you do your move-ins. That's exactly. You right. could just you, that's you where it make is. them, like you talk through that example. We walk through the HVAC and filter. then throw it in the lease. Be people, like, it's it's your responsibility now. Yeah. Whether that holds up or not, it, you still want to yeah. scare the tenant a little bit because you're representing the owner's interests, right? I'd say it's, you're, you're you don't have to scare them. You can empower them. Empower them. I forget that I was a twenty year old, a clueless twenty year old. At yeah. Because you get these uh, a kid who's maybe lived in college, lived in an apartment, moved into a house. They don't know that they, what an HVAC filter is. Yeah. But they're like almost and like clueless know-it-alls. The, the, <laughs> like, the, the right out of college crowd is like the, the clueless know-it-alls when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but I think they're, when you walk them down and say, hey, this is an HVAC filter, this is the advantage, it's going to take out dust, your system's going to run better, it's going to save you money, we're going to mail you one every three months. This is yep. going to change it. Yep. Um, if you don't change it and we find it all clogged up and we have a problem, you know, you could be charged for that. Yeah. Uh, show them where the water softener is. A lot of people have never had one in their house. They don't know the value of that. So right. if a house has a water softener, explaining. Well, you've got these fancy uh, suburban houses. That's right. You've got all that's these right. water softeners. Yeah. yeah, like we only buy the Gucci salt. <laughs> 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 no, explain, it to, explain that use and then, yeah, you're in the same space usually, so you show them where the water on off is. So that's smart. Yeah. What else you want to talk about? Reducing risk. What else you want to talk about? Be anything. It's my job Let's, to like wanna, tee that up, but you know, like I'm curious. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about. Um, I, I found this to be true. This, there's, there's some found great camaraderie and friendships in small business owners. Why do you think that you've had that connection? It's a grind, and when when you're in that, you recognize that, and there's a respect for that, and there's there's not too many people you can kind of vent to about the frustrations you have, um, you know, from trying to manage the whole thing. And so that has been, you know, some of my best friends are either in this space or own a roofing company or concrete company, things like that. Yeah, when we do a sales call with the local, like, service providers, like a plumber, a HVAC company owner, I'd say it's probably 75% of the time they're doing the screen share in their truck or their van. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I not bet. kidding. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, I yeah. mean, even more so than property management. That's why I mm -hmm. think, like, you know, when you think about a property management company, they have so much influence over the success of right. those local companies, right? Like you think about that, like local plumber with one truck, maybe just got their second truck. They're trying to build a business too. 
And if you can give them all of your business on the HVAC or the plumbing side, that's going to help catapult their business forward, which if you're growing, they're growing. It can create this bond where it's like everybody's aligned. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of property management company owners, they think very, like we were talking about being proactive versus reactive earlier. Like I think property managers can be more proactive by realizing how much value they bring to their vendor network. The reactive way to go about things, which a lot of people do, is it's uh, 97 degrees in the summer and you've got 15 ACs out and your one HVAC company is not doing a very good job because they're super busy. Right. The proactive way of going about it would have been in the winter formalizing a relationship mm -hmm. with them as a preferred vendor, giving them like exclusive access to your requests, and then establishing and negotiating what that means for you. Because what that means, like what I think it should mean is like you get priority access every time. So your customers aren't the ones waiting. It's the other right. people, right? Because you have that weight. Like you can use that to create a one plus one equals three good relationship. But like at the end of the day, you're like the point guard facilitator of that revenue. Right. I don't think very many property managers think of it that way. Do you? I don't think of it as like a power position, but I do think that if you have that trust in that relationship um, and you do obviously offer value in, in size and maybe I don't because I'm not there yet, right? I'm not offering, I don't got 450 on the doors. Um, but I do find that, you know, I, I found people I trust. They're authorized to spend up to a certain amount. And I'm not going to question them when they, you know, I get a lot of HVAC jobs done for 300 to 350, replace a capacitor, replace a fan for 500, 700. Like, they're not going in there and saying, oh, you need a whole system. Yeah. They know I'm smart enough to come sniff it out. Um, and, they, and we got that trust level. They're just not yeah, going to play that the, game. It's the trust me. level. Yeah. yeah they're not going to play that game. Even, even the tie to the cost or uh, – mm -hmm. Right, because at the end of the day, we're representing our clients, the owners. Right, we're rep, we're we're protecting their and, and protecting and driving their cash flow. That's right. And so, how do you take that? Like, we agree on that. So, like, how do you take that and and have a conversation with your vendors to ensure that that you're having a partnership with the vendor, but also like the driver to that partnership is to increase cash flow for the owner like how do you right. how do you balance that well i don't i don't i don't have i haven't had an official like discussion with it or a scheduled one but i think that the discussions i do have i mean they know i'm not trying to make a, a maintenance revenue machine they know i want things fixed right the first time i want to make sure we get it right I'm, I'm open to you know hey if you see something else that needs it let's call me let's get that fixed too while you're there i don't um so i think there's a there's an element of quality that i communicate that they understand and I think they respect that because they get to leave the job proud that they've done it right and not put a patch on it that's going to last for another six months. Yeah, it's like vendors that can see the forest through the trees. Right. And that's that's how, who you're looking for to partner right. with, right? It's and I think and with the with the trust that, you know, they don't have to call me to get a quote on something that they know they can get this guy's AC back up and running for 350 bucks, like go for it. And yeah. then and then paying quickly. Some, Pay some of the vendors that are big, some of these vendors I work with work with huge companies. I'm like, hey, can I, why do you want to, you know, I only got a couple turns a month maybe and a lot of service calls. I know your money's in the turn. And I'm like, why? Well, one, I like you. And two, you know, you pay me. You don't do like 45 days to get your money back to me. You're getting it to me every Friday. It's a lot to dig into. I underestimated how much maintenance would take of my time. How As much it, does it take now, like, would you say? I mean, there's a... Like a percentage of your day. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, even sitting here with us for however long, like, I bet maintenance requests have come through for you. Probably, you know, two to three hours solid 
solid attention, let alone a few phone calls here and there. Um, that's with somebody assisting me on the other side of it. Um, and again, we need to sharpen the sword on, on the processes. Um, yeah, but I, I think it ties to your, get, your leasing strategy, though. You're, yeah. You care about your customer's experience right. so much, which is good. Like It's never going to be a negative, but like right. you care about it so much that you want to, to oversee it and ensure that your clients are happy, mm. your team members are happy, that you're like just doing an exceptional job, right? Like if you have over 4.5 stars on Google, like focus less on your processes and your systems because something's working really well. Like hammer automation and growth mm -hmm. if that's where you're at. And you're absolutely right. And I think that those processes, what they could do is, is just allow me to increase quality, right? To really, really be on, because it's not scalable, my, my two hours a day I'm doing right now with it, right? Like I'm gonna reach a pain point and need to be more automated, need to be more delegated. Yeah, I think your, your vision. Yeah, your military background is, I think it comes through a lot in your, the way you run your business. Um, like that attention to detail, I think that's really cool. Um, so I asked this question, you know, and all these conversations that I have with property management company owners, what do you think is most important? Is it growth, operations, or something else in terms of the success or future success of your property management company? I think something I said early on, one of my, um, as I thought through this, was I'm never going to, I never want to outgrow my quality. And so I don't know how that translates to the list you just mentioned. It's not growth. I think it's operations. It so that's I think that's big. That's a mix of operations and culture, right? Because you can have really good operations, but if you don't have the culture that cares about it, right? Are you implementing it correctly? So I think it's it's culture and operations is what you get want to get right, and that's probably true for most every venture. Um, and then that I think that wins in the long run, right? I could have grown. I've probably turned down seventy to eighty doors. Um, whether they be in Anderson or Muncie or or a smaller portfolio that I knew I didn't have the capacity at the time because it would be maintenance intensive, uh, a 40 unit um, building downtown that was you know lower rents that again like I thought I don't have the I don't have the capacity I don't have the people to do that. Um, so I think that discipline to to, to put you know that that was not crushing my operations that would have crushed me, um, but yeah operations and and, uh, and culture I think are are what's essential. It's a good answer. Yeah, I didn't even give you a heads up on that. That's question, why. So. Yeah, that's why I didn't read the read ahead. Yeah, there you go. Through stuff too much. It's unfiltered. We gotta have uh, as little that's read right. ahead yeah, as possible. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, how can people get a hold of you? If um, they have any questions? I, I know you value the network and yeah, working with other property management company owners and best practices and all that. So how can somebody get a hold of you yeah, if they wanted to to chat? Email Michael at keyrenter three one seven dot com or call the phone three one seven three six zero zero four five six. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Shoot a note on LinkedIn. Friend me on LinkedIn. That's another place. That's about the only social media I really use. I feel like everybody's LinkedIn photo is from like 20 years ago. Is really, yours up to date? No. No. And it's, <laughs> I need to get some headshots done, by the way. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's a headshot a nice... I, I took on my back porch for grad school is what, uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, get that, get that headshot up. Yeah, right. All right. This is good. All right. Thanks, man. Woo!